Greetings, friends. It's June 27th, and this is the One Year Bible Tour podcast, where we read the daily portion of the One Year Bible, a Bible reading plan that divides the entire Bible into daily sections with readings from the Old and New Testaments, enabling us to read all 66 books of the Bible in a year. My name is David McAdam, pastor and Bible teacher at New Life Community Church in Concord, Massachusetts, and it's my joy to serve as your reader and tour guide, pointing out observations that you don't want to miss. Today, in the Old Testament, we read more of the tragic history of the kings of Israel and Judah in the book of 2 Kings. We realize that history is often horrific. The Bible clarifies that this is a result of the problem of sin, man turning away from the righteous rule of the Creator. In our Old Testament reading, we see that the wages of sin is death, and in the New Testament, we learn that the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, This is not just the message of the New Testament, it's the message of the entire Bible. This is the message preached by the apostles in the book of Acts, and it is the message that we carry forth today. The word wages refers to the right or just compensation. If you did not receive your agreed-upon wages from your employer, you would perceive it as an injustice. God is holy and just. He is right to demand that those who violate His law be punished. But God is also rich in mercy. Mercy means that rather than getting what we do deserve, we get what we don't deserve, unmerited favor, pardon, a free gift. This is what is offered to us in the saving work of Jesus Christ, the free gift of forgiveness of sins, a right standing, peace with God, and a new deathless life in Christ through the gift of the Holy Spirit. Jesus took the punishment our sin deserved on the cross, satisfying God's demands that uphold righteousness. His resurrection from the dead gives us the assurance that those who believe are no longer held by the fear or the power of death. Yesterday in the book of Acts, we learned that the resurrection of Jesus was mocked by some in Athens, but for us, it is the legal receipt in hand that God's promise is good. So let's go to today's passage in the Old Testament first. We are in 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 32. Just when you think that the problem of the house of Ahaz has been dealt with, another relative pops up. This reminds us that it takes the Savior to deal with the problem of sin. So here we go, 2 Kings chapter 10, verse 32. In those days, the Lord began to cut off parts of Israel. Haziel defeated them throughout the territory of Israel, from the Jordan eastward, all the land of Gilead, the Gadites and the Reubenites and the Manassites, from Aurorer, which is by the valley of the Arnon, that is, Gilead and Bashan. Now the rest of the acts of Jehu, and all that he did, and all his might, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Jehu slept with his fathers, and they buried him in Samaria. And Jehoahaz, his son, reigned in his place. The time that Jehu reigned over Israel and Samaria was twenty-eight years. Chapter 11 Now when Athaliah, the mother of Ahaziah, saw that her son was dead, she arose and destroyed all the royal family. But Jehoshaphat, the daughter of King Joram, the sister of Ahaziah, took Joash, the son of Ahaziah, and stole him away from among the king's sons who were being put to death, and she put him and his nurse in a bedroom. Thus they hid him from Athaliah, so that he was not put to death. And he remained with her six years, hidden in the house of the Lord. 
while Athaliah reigned over the land. But in the seventh year Jehoiada sent and brought the captains of the Karites and of the guards, and had them come to him in the house of the Lord. And he made a covenant with them, and put them under oath in the house of the Lord, and he showed them the king's son. And he commanded them, This is the thing that you shall do. One-third of you, those who come off duty on the Sabbath and guard the king's house, another third being at the gate Sur, and a third at the gate behind the guards, shall guard the palace. And the two divisions of you, which come on duty in force on the Sabbath, and guard the house of the Lord on behalf of the king, shall surround the king, each with his weapon in his hand, and whoever approaches the ranks is to be put to death. Be with the king when he goes out and when he comes in. The captains did according to all that Jehoiada the priest commanded, and they each brought his men who were to go off duty on the Sabbath, with those who were to come on duty on the Sabbath, and came to Jehoiada the priest. And the priest gave to the captains the spears and shields that had been King David's, which were in the house of the Lord. And the guard stood, every man with his weapons in his hand, from the south side of the house to the north side of the house, around the altar and the house, on behalf of the king. Then he brought out the king's son, and put the crown on him, and gave him the testimony. And they proclaimed him king, and anointed him. And they clapped their hands and said, Long live the king! When Athaliah heard the noise of the guard and of the people, she went into the house of the Lord to the people. And when she looked, there was the king standing by the pillar, according to the custom, and the captains and the trumpeters beside the king, and all the people of the land rejoicing and blowing trumpets. And Athaliah tore her clothes and cried, Treason! Treason! Then Jehoiada the priest commanded the captains who were set over the army, Bring her out between the ranks, and put to death with a sword anyone who follows her. For the priest said, Let her not be put to death in the house of the Lord. So they laid hands on her, and she went through the horse's entrance to the king's house, and there she was put to death. And Jehoiada made a covenant between the Lord and the king and the people, that they should be the Lord's people, and also between the king and the people. Then all the people of the land went to the house of Baal and tore it down. His altars and his images they broke in pieces, and they killed Matan the priest of Baal before the altars. And the priest posted watchmen over the house of the Lord. And he took the captains, the Karites, the guards, and all the people of the land, and they brought the king down from the house of the Lord, marching through the gate of the guards to the king's house. And he took his seat on the throne of the king's. So all the people of the land rejoiced, and the city was quiet after Athaliah had been put to death with a sword at the king's house. Jehoash was seven years old when he began to reign. Chapter 12 In the seventh year of Jehu, Jehoash began to reign, and he reigned forty years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zibiah of Beersheba. And Jehoash did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all his days, because Jehoiada the priest instructed him. Nevertheless, the high places were not taken away. The people continued to sacrifice and make offerings on the high places. Jehoash said to the priests, All the money of the holy things that is brought into the house of the Lord, the money for which each man is assessed, the money from the assessment of persons, and the money that a man's heart prompts him to bring into the house of the Lord, let the priests take, each from his donor, and let them repair the house wherever any need of repairs is discovered. But by the twenty-third year of King Jehoash, 
The priests had made no repairs on the house. Therefore King Jehoash summoned Jehoiada the priest and the other priests and said to them, Why are you not repairing the house? Now therefore take no more money from your donors, but hand it over for the repair of the house. So the priests agreed that they should take no more money from the people and that they should not repair the house. Then Jehoiada the priest took a chest and bored a hole in the lid of it and set it beside the altar on the right side as one entered the house of the Lord. And the priests who guarded the threshold put in it all the money that was brought into the house of the Lord. And whenever they saw that there was much money in the chest, the king's secretary and the high priest came up and they bagged and counted the money that was found in the house of the Lord. Then they would give the money that was weighed out into the hands of the workmen who had the oversight of the house of the Lord. And they paid it out to the carpenters and the builders who worked on the house of the Lord, and to the masons and the stone cutters, as well as to buy timber and quarried stone for making repairs on the house of the Lord, and for any outlay for the repairs of the house. But there were not made for the house of the Lord basins of silver, snuffers, bowls, trumpets, or any vessels of gold or of silver from the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, for that was given to the workmen who were repairing the house of the Lord with it. And they did not ask for an accounting from the men into whose hand they delivered the money to pay out to the workmen, for they dealt honestly. The money from the guilt offerings and the money from the sin offerings was not brought into the house of the Lord. It belonged to the priests. At that time, Hazael, king of Syria, went up and fought against Gath and took it. But when Hazael set his face to go up against Jerusalem, Jehoash, king of Judah, took all the sacred gifts that Jehoshaphat and Jehoram and Ahaziah, his fathers, the kings of Judah, had dedicated and his own sacred gifts, and all the gold that was found in the treasuries of the house of the Lord and of the king's house, and sent these to Hazael king of Syria. Then Hazael went away from Jerusalem. Now the rest of the acts of Joash and all that he did, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? His servants arose and made a conspiracy and struck down Joash in the house of Milo on the way that goes down to Silla. It was Jazakar, the son of Shimeath, and Jehozabad, the son of Shomer, his servants, who struck him down so that he died. And they buried him with his fathers in the city of David, and Amaziah, his son, reigned in his place. This concludes our reading from today's portion from the Old Testament in the book of 2 Kings. As is our custom, we'll take a few moments to recap and reflect. Both the northern and southern kingdoms felt the idolatrous impact of the house of Ahab. As Ahab's wife, Jezebel, instituted Baal worship in the northern kingdom of Judah, so her daughter, Athaliah, through her marriage to King Jehoram of Judah, influenced the southern kingdom. Athaliah's son, Ahaziah, succeeded Jehoram as king of Judah, making him the first Judahite king to be both a descendant from the house of David and the house of Omri, the father of Ahab. Jehu killed Jehoram, otherwise known as Joram, of Israel, and destroyed the worship of Baal there. Under the guise of hosting a worship gathering for Baal, Jehu assembled all those who served Baal. He asked them to bring their vestments and paraphernalia, separating them from the worshippers of Yahweh, and then ordered that they all be killed. The pillar of Baal was burned, and the house of Baal destroyed 
with all the worshippers inside. He also ordered the death of King Ahaziah of Judah, Ahab's son-in-law. Athaliah, Ahaziah's mother, usurped the throne of Judah, killing all the possible heirs, all her own adopted family by marriage. God providentially preserves the single link left in the chain of Davidic descendants in the Judaite dynasty. Satan attempted to thwart God's plan to preserve the royal seed of David through Athaliah's murderous plan. Then God's grace intervenes. We read these words, But Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat, Ahaziah's sister, finds the infant Joash, also called Jehoash, and hides him for six years in a room in the house of the Lord, while the evil Athaliah rules in Judah. The seed of David is secretly preserved. In the seventh year, the chief priest in the house of the Lord, Jehoiada, made a covenant with the assembly of Karites, who were elite mercenaries, together with other guards, and arranged for Joash to be installed as king of Judah. Jehoiada rallies these forces and equips them to protect Joash as he is crowned. When Athaliah hears the trumpets and cheering of the people, she goes to the house of the Lord and discovers that the seven-year-old Joash has been proclaimed king of Judah. She echoes the cries of her mother Jezebel, shouting, Treason! Treason! while Jehoiada orders that she be taken out of the house of the Lord and put to death. Jehoash, otherwise known as Joash, reigns for forty years. For a good part of those years, he was guided by the counsel of the chief priest Jehoiada. We learn that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord all of his days in which Jehoiada the priest instructed him. One big exception was that he failed to destroy the high places where people offered sacrifices and burnt incense. The passage in Second Chronicles chapter 24, verses 15 to 23, tells us that Jehoash turned to idolatry when Jehoiada died. He listened to ungodly counsel, worshipped the Asherim, and did not heed the warnings of the prophets. In Second Chronicles chapter 24, verses 17 through 19, Joash is recognized as the one who championed the repair of the temple. He spearheads the fundraising encouraging that the census money in Exodus chapter 20 verse 13, the assessment money and the tax of Leviticus chapter 27 verse 2, and the free will offerings described in 2 Kings chapter 12 verse 4, that which any man's heart prompts him to bring, be collected for the purpose of giving God his due worship. There seems to be some slippage in the administration of the repair project as money is collected. In Joash's twenty-third year of reigning, he notices that the work has not yet begun. Joash rebukes them for being negligent. The priests agree to stop collecting money, but do not agree to repairing the temple. Jehoiada, the chief priest, springs into action. He makes a collection chest to put by the altar and then ensures that the money is collected and given to the workers as compensation for their carpentry and craftsmanship. People are more willing to give when they can see that the money is being used for the purpose for which it has been given. The building project had not been delayed because of a lack of money, but because of poor money management. There is an indication that Joash, although intending to do the right thing, had a habit of submitting to the more powerful personalities around him. He submitted to the godly counsel of Jehoiada, but also caved in to the ungodly counsel of Judean officials, in Second Chronicles 24, verse 17, 
and the intimidating power of Hazael of Aram. Jehoash foolishly offered all the sacred things and the gold of the temple and the king's house and sent it to him, hoping that would dissuade him from conquering Jerusalem. By this time, Hazael had not only taken the lands east of the river Jordan, but also Gath to the west of Jerusalem. Danger seemed imminent. We'll continue the story tomorrow. Now let's move to our next stop on our Bible tour. In the New Testament, the book of Acts, chapter 18, verses 1 through 22. The Apostle Paul plants the church in Corinth. Acts chapter 18. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. And he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord, together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. But when Gallio was proconsul in Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal. And they all seized Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallio paid no attention to any of this. After this, Paul stayed many days longer, and then took leave of the brothers and set sail for Syria, and with him Priscilla and Aquila. At Sencrie he had cut his hair, for he was under a vow. And they came to Ephesus, and he left them there, but he himself went into the synagogue and reasoned with the Jews. When they asked him to stay for a longer period, he declined. But on taking leave of them, he said, I will return to you if God wills. And he set sail from Ephesus. When he landed at Caesarea, he went up and greeted the church, and then went down to Antioch. And that is the end of today's portion from the New Testament in the book of Acts. As we have observed, in today's reading, Paul moves from Athens to Corinth. At Corinth, Paul is introduced to a couple who will become prominent in the work of the gospel in Europe, Aquila and Priscilla. Like Paul, they are tent makers. They had been living in Rome, 
but when Jews were extradited by order of the emperor Claudius, they moved to Corinth. Paul begins his ministry continuing the pattern of proclaiming the message to the Jew first. He reasons with the Jews and God-fearing Gentiles in the synagogue. When Silas and Timothy join him, Paul leaves off tent-making for a while and devotes himself completely to the ministry of the Word, solemnly testifying to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Acts chapter 18, verse 5. However, he meets stubborn resistance, so he shakes out his garments with these woeful words, reminding them of their accountability before God. Your blood be on your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. He moves his ministry next door to the home of Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. The leader of the synagogue, Crispus, and his entire household believe the gospel, and many Corinthians are brought to faith in Christ and are baptized. Paul receives great encouragement to carry on the work. And the Lord said to Paul, in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid any longer, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no man will attack you in order to harm you, for I have many people in this city. Acts chapter 18, verses 9 and 10. We can be encouraged by God's promises and God's foreknowledge. He knows what we do not know of who is ready to hear the gospel. He knows when the fields are ripe and ready for the harvest. He knows when there remains a work for us to do. He knows how many remain in the city whose hearts are good soil for the sowing of God's word. Paul ministers in Corinth for 18 months, teaching the word of God among them. Acts chapter 18, verse 11. The religious controversy continues to boil, and the Jewish leaders unite to bring Paul to the judgment seat at Corinth. Gallio, however, recognizes that their dispute with Paul was over religious matters and not any civil offense. Therefore, he dismisses them from the judgment seat. The Jews then attack the synagogue leader, Sosthenes, with Gallio showing no more interest in their case. Paul eventually leaves Corinth with Aquila and Priscilla. They travel to Sencria, where Paul cuts his hair and makes a vow, and then goes on to Ephesus. He leaves Priscilla and Aquila in Ephesus, where once again they will be useful in church planting as well as tent making, opening their home to the work of the gospel. Notice the reversal of the name order. First introduced as Aquila and Priscilla in Acts chapter 18 verse 2, now Luke refers to them as Priscilla and Aquila, Acts chapter 18 verse 18, indicating that Priscilla had perhaps a more prominent role as she ministered with her husband. Paul obviously felt confident that they could minister well in Ephesus as he moved on to Caesarea and then to Antioch. We will learn more what happened there in tomorrow's reading. Now for our next stop on today's Bible tour, we go to the Bible's song and prayer book, the book of Psalms, Psalm 145, verses 1 through 21. Great is the Lord, a song of praise, a psalm of David, Psalm 145. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name for ever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name for ever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. 
They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power, to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all His words and kind in all His works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all His ways and kind in all His works. The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear Him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love Him, and all the wicked He will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless His holy name forever and ever. Psalm 145 praises God for His greatness. It is a psalm that is written in the form of an acrostic, with each line beginning with the successive letter of the Hebrew alphabet. The psalmist speaks of his daily habit to praise the Lord. Every day I will bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Psalm 145 verse 2. There is no end to discovery of what is praiseworthy about the Lord. The psalmist is confident that every generation will take up the harp of praise, commending his works from one generation to another. Not only does the psalmist have a daily habit of praise, but also a habit of meditation. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wonderful works I will meditate. Psalm 145 verse 5. The psalmist praises God's attributes of majesty, greatness, goodness, graciousness, righteousness, mercifulness, patience, forbearance, steadfastness, love, faithfulness, kindness, integrity, generosity, attentiveness, nearness, sensitivity, and His keeping power. He calls upon all to praise Him with their mouths and to bless His holy name forever. In verse 21, All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and your godly ones shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and talk of your power, to make known to the sons of men your mighty acts and the glory of the majesty of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. Psalm 145, verses 10 through 13. Next stop on our tour is to open the treasure chest of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 1 is our proverb for the day. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. Did you know that there was such a strong warning in the Bible against isolating yourself? Independent, unruly, selfish streaks sabotage a holy ambition. We need the input of our brothers and sisters who can test whether our thoughts are grounded in godly wisdom or not. Be more ready to understand than be understood. Be swift to hear and slow to speak. Let's pray together. Father, your greatness is unsearchable. 
Our days should be full of endless praise when we consider who you are and meditate upon all your works. May we be faithful to maintain heartfelt worship throughout this day, honoring your name at all times. Thank you for your faithfulness to put the right man on the throne, our sacred head, the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for the encouragement that you have a work for us to do. May we be faithful to obey you as Lord of the harvest and boldly go on to speak of you, sowing the good seed of your word. We trust that you still have people ready to hear your message. May we be faithful to proclaim it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining our Bible reading excursion today. I trust that you were encouraged and edified. I know my heart was stirred, especially by the book of Acts, realizing that the Lord has prepared hearts for the gospel to be heard, and we want to be faithful proclaimers of it. We want you to know that we're here for you. If you have any comments or questions, you can write us at podcast at newlife.org. And if you would like a written copy of the commentary that accompanies each day's Bible reading, don't forget to subscribe to the One Year Bible Tour Guide at our website, newlife.org. So until next time, may the Lord who is our peace grant you peace, and may you be made ever more aware of His presence. Shalom. Shalom.